Abba Yahweh, again, sharing your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom to any that would hear the words, but listen to the message, Father. Thank you for blessing me with this. Thank you for reminding me that, that this is a place that I belong, that this is with you, Father. And the enemy will try to darken and dim the light, Father, but you are a light that is so confounding to him and his demons and his minions and the principalities that work for him. They're confused by the light. Father God, you are that light. Thank you for being my father and loving me, forgiving me, guiding me, teaching me, and allowing me to bless others through what you bless me with, Father God. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Barakalitos Aman. So, um, we're going to revisit, and I was, um, God allowed me to, he allowed me to sleep in. Um, so, God has ways of rousing me, and, and uh, this is a good thing. I, I love it when he calls out to me, and, and I don't mind the analogy, um, or the metaphor that's used for us being sheep. Uh, a lot of people seem to have an attitude about that. It's pretty ridiculous and, and foolhardy, actually, because um, sheep are... Uh, well, here's the thing. People think that we are this evolutionary giant in the in this... Uh, thing that we are and that we are something how somehow and something different than everything else and that we are in charge of everything well okay this is not the garden of eden and we are not adam and we have allowed things to break apart and trust me when i share this with you is that um whether you want to believe it or not, you can you can go back and check the documents and find out for yourself. Since you, there are many of you out there that obviously do this anyway. Um, but here's the truth of the matter: is that we are not this spectacular thing that's in charge of everything, and we just like to think we are, and we tend to destroy so much. Why do you suppose that? we are reminded that we live in a broken world because we have chosen to walk away from God. We have chosen to walk a different direction. We have chosen to try to do everything ourselves. And God is a very polite God. And there are those that will say, well, God can just do this. Why doesn't God just do that? If he's so this and so that, just why doesn't he just fix everything? Well, God isn't a fixer of everything. He's uh, He repairs things and he puts things back. But here's the thing, God is also a very good, loving father, and he made us with a free will choice. And the Bible tells us that. It reminds us of that, that we have a free will choice. And because we have chosen to break everything that we get our hands on, we're kind of like that, uh, oh, I used to have, I used to have, this kid that was like that when it wouldn't matter what his kid what his parents got him or relatives got him or anything got him for his and I used to I finally wound up just kind of walking away and and I guess I I was paying attention to 
a spiritual teaching then, although I wasn't. I was much too young to even understand. But you know how they tell you that the, the scripture tells us that, that there are toxic individuals that we decide to call friends and that it's better that we cut the rope and let them go before they pull us down to the bottom and drown us in that sea of depth, dark despair. Cut the millstone because they're going to drag you down. So this kid would be given things and within minutes and sometimes right after opening and I, I can re seem to recall a a couple birthdays that I went to. And then after it just got so ridiculous. Um, and mommy and daddy wouldn't say anything to them. They just. Which I can only imagine. And hopefully that things were changed for him. Um, but they'd give him something. No sooner did he open it up. than he'd just look at it. And you know. And he'd smile like he was all happy. And then he would just take it. And smash it against the floor. Or on the edge of a table. And Busted all the pieces. And he would take, uh, you know, little G.I. Joe figures and stuff like that. Some of you might won't even know what I'm talking about. But these were action figures that, that for little girls, they had Barbie. For the little boys, they had G.I. Joe. And uh, he would just pull the arms off. And, like, and I mean, right after getting, they were still brand new. They were, they were virtually new from the store. They just unwrapped them. And within minutes, he had them destroyed and broken. And he didn't have a lot of things that were not broken. Don't know where that came from. I was too young to even try to explore that or understand or try to help him to change it. I, I just didn't get it. But it was very destructive, everything. Well, look around you. There are those that claim to be grown-ups that do that same thing. God gave us this beautiful place and we have chosen, yes, we have chosen to destroy so many things that are in this world and we choose to break them apart. We are in the animal kingdom, biology 101, look it up, it's truth. We are in a food chain. We are not above any of the creatures that are on this face of this earth. And we don't do a very good job of stewarding. We are very destructive. And there are those individuals that go out for the sole purpose. They don't eat. They don't do anything except destroy. When they hunt, they hunt for trophy. When they hunt, sometimes it's just for the sake of the kill. Don't take food. Don't take trophy. Don't take, they just shoot and leave. Kill it and go. That's pretty pathetic. And those individuals, listen to me when I tell you this, there will be judgment on those individuals. There will be judgment. And a judge with much higher authority than any judge that is in this plane of existence will have judgment. And those that choose to continue acting out in that manner will have a hard time explaining their purpose or that choice. And they're gonna be given an opportunity. One question, one question only. 
God, Abba Yahweh, the judge, is going to ask why. Explain to me why. With his provisions, but as I've shared with you, God is a very loving and a polite God and giving us a free will choice. He isn't going to make us do anything. He's not going to make it. We choose to be guided by the Holy Spirit to walk, and we make choices along that path. And we are going to sometimes be shown a detour by the Holy Spirit. And we are going to have to trust that that detour is indeed the road. And there's a song by young, young uh, Christian singer. And the thing that she sings about and reminds us is that there is a detour and we have to have faith and trust that the detour is the road. And... Um, Oh, gosh, I don't know her whole name. I'm going to try to find that for you. Sorry. Um, I can't. But her name is Savannah. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't remember her whole name. Um, I'm so sorry. Anyway, her name is Savannah, and she sings this, and it is speaking of the trust that the detour is indeed the road. And we have to do that. But here's the thing that you also have to be aware of, and trust this to be truth, is that following the Holy Spirit will guide you lead you, be a lamp to your feet and a light unto your path. Um, David sings about this. And this is, oh, I'm going I'm to sidestep here for a moment because this was something that was um, shared in class last night and I think it's really important. Um, it's important to share because David did this and I got to remind you that if you go to the book of Psalms, um, David is a poet and he's a musician and he sings to God all the time. And I can imagine even when he wasn't sitting down and putting these all to pen and writing the book, he didn't author it, but he wrote the book and God had him to do this in a certain order. Um, and since I'm sharing that, I'm going to share something that was set me to be a little uncomfortable is that somebody had mentioned the fact that uh, there was a commentator, it was a good, helpful book that he was sharing. However, he um, he made a comment that the I think he got from this commentator that he needs to be careful of and pray about. And I will do so because I just got told that he's being placed on my prayer shelf. Um, so, God 
is the author and finisher, and the order of the Bible was determined by the sovereign Lord God. And you have commentators who try to tell us that it's so confusing because it's all out of order. Well, here's the thing. It's out of your order, and it might not be the way that you wanted to do it or the way you think it should be done or any of us. And it could be that this is why we pray the Holy Spirit's guidance and the Holy Spirit to show us and guide us through this and why we go to the Holy Spirit. And there's a purpose that God had this set up the way he did. And remember that he is the author and the finisher, and he is the determining factor, not some commentator and not some yo-yo that decides how the Bible is going to be set because he might have a degree and he's this greatest invention since a napkin. Okay, back to David. David was a poet and a songwriter. And what I what I started doing as well as is uh, one of the books in our class is I would sing to God. I would offer up a song and it was made up. I, I didn't know. Sometimes I'd forget verse. I'd want to sing verses of the song that I, I grew up with in church. And we all want to decide that we want to try to do that. But here's the thing. Why? Why is it important that it has to be a written song that somebody else did? And what is very pleasing to God and what he really, really enjoys is when you pen this from your heart. And then you make it up as you go. God loves that. He really, really enjoys that. He really does. Um, so the Spirit brought this thing here that we have to remember that the, the detour, if the Holy Spirit is guiding us to that, is indeed the road. And he will guide us and lead us and make sure that things are right. But know and understand this as well. The enemy is working and he will put roadblocks and detours in our path. And if we're not praying for guidance from the Holy Spirit, we're going to take a wrong turn. And there are some of us that will do that. And here's the thing that you have to understand. That Satan, our enemy, and his minions, as well as his demons, because there's a difference. Remember, I've shared this with you. Minions and demons are not the same. Minions are those that function and are working for the devil. And some are even what... They call themselves as Christians. The label heads and the self-proclaimed are actually minions of the devil because they speak negative. They speak darkness. They argue with things that are truthful from the Bible. And there are some that are actually even in the pulpit and get up on that stage in front of the congregation. And they are minions of hell. Because they are being led like marionette puppets and they do exactly what they're told. And the difference being that God is not like that. God gives you choice, would prefer that you choose to do the right thing, but these minions, they choose to do that which is not right which is not righteous, which is not good, which is not holy, which is not higher. They choose to do that thing that is not good at all. 
and they're on a path to destruction. But the devil will put up these detours and you have to be in prayer and you have to have faith in the promises that God makes to us. But here's what he does. He puts those detours up and what is he trying to do? He's trying to deter us from reaching our goal for attaining our place in heaven, our connection with God, our relationship with God. Satan doesn't want that. And I've shared this with you. He used to live there. He got booted out because he wanted to take over. He decided that he was greater than God, more powerful than God, and he wanted that for him. And he got kicked out. So he's working on trying to deter us from attaining that thing that God desires for us to have. And he's really, really pretty PO'd about it, actually. And why? Because God is offering it free. Satan is so mad because we are not heavenly beings as yet. We have not been glorified. We are not... Um, and but God gives us all these blessings and gifts. And it really agitates him. It, what really helps agitate him, and I like agitating the devil, actually. He comes at me pretty hard, but you know what? That's okay, because the harder he comes at me, the more I know that I am doing something that I should be doing and that God likes me doing. And the devil has really been working on things of late. And one of his favorite things in his deterrence, which incidentally, his deterring is, is not, uh, don't get confused by detour and deter. Okay, a detour, a detour has to do direction, that you're going down a path and a detour has you turn off. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit will take you and you have to have faith that the detour that you're on is going to be the road back that leads back to the path that you're supposed to be on. And that will take place. And God will put you on a detour sometimes to get your attention or to make sure that you're paying attention. Now, the detours that Satan throws up are a deterring factor. And to deter you, he wants to discourage you. He wants you to, uh, he tries to hold you back or restrain you from being able to act on that guidance or to proceed. Oh, he definitely doesn't want you to proceed and be close to God. And he definitely doesn't want that. So he's looking to prevent you. He wants to check your movement forward. He wants to arrest that movement. He wants you to just stop sit down, and ultimately what he really would like you to do is just give up and walk away. And that what he's trying to do is kind of like, um, this is interesting, the Holy Spirit just, just illuminated this as an illustration. Um, some of you might not have known this, and, and I'm going to share this with you, and I used to notice it and wonder why, but um, marigold flowers have a really strong, powerful odor, and 
those that were uh, growing pumpkins for purposes of not necessarily the pumpkin patch for Halloween, you know, for carving all that, but pumpkins are grown for a food source. And they would plant marigolds with the pumpkins because the uh, odors that were emitted by these flowers were supposed to be a repellent for um, beetles. So just remember that Satan wants to repel you from traveling and going in that. So this nice little flowery detour that he'll put up or this this detour that really looks nice is a camouflage for what really is going to take place. He's looking to get you to be discouraged, to keep you from proceeding the direction you should, uh, to prevent you from going any further and to get you to check your direction and then ultimately just to repel you from going on that path that God has established for you and that the Holy Spirit is guiding you on. So this is why it's important that we remain in prayer all the time for that guidance because it will be provided. And there's a lot of times where it'll seem like it's not. But here's the thing. I have a question, and this is going to be titling. So I've touched on this before. Insurance or assurance. The choice is yours. You decide. And this is important. And the difference is that insurance, you have to pay for. You have to pay somebody to make sure that this is going to be good and that if something happens that you're going to be able to replace it. And you know that these insurance companies that abound all over the world is you have, you're not going to get anything back. A lot of times what they do is they find some kind of clause to keep them from making payment and, um, the Spirit's going to allow me to sidestep here for a minute because I'm remembering something. This is going to be a, this is going to be um, an analogy so you can kind of follow this uh, illustration, hopefully. So my brother, and uh, he had just become, he, he just got his license and he was old enough to drive and, and they allowed him to buy his own car, which was very cool. And back in the day, um, he had a Chevy Impala and this was the old Impala which a lot of uh, car clubs really want, and they were really good. And he liked it, and he took care of it, and he worked on it because he was in uh, auto shop and so forth and so on. But anyway, um, and he wanted to be doing something. He was working. He had a job, had his girlfriend, uh, albeit that she went to uh, a rival high school. That's okay. Don't hold it against her. She's beautiful. And anyway, <laughs> but... Um, he had this really great car and he was working all this stuff. So he says, dad, I, I want to pay my own insurance and so forth and so on. But he didn't know that my father was already, uh, my father, which would have been his stepfather, but um, didn't know that he was already paying insurance so that um, he was not getting a premium sent to him and that he was able to put more money away. My father was, 
doing the best to take care of him and didn't want him to know all these things. And here's the thing that the analogy would be that God sometimes does this. He's in the background and we don't see him. And because he is invisible to us, we don't pay attention to things that he does for us on our behalf. And then when things don't work out, we're ready to shake our fists and complain at him. But don't do that. So anyway, um, my point is that somebody ran a stop sign at the intersection, which was just right. I mean, literally, you could go out the front door of where my mother and father were living and where they were raising us. You could go out that front door and turn to the right and take six or eight giant steps. Of course, as young as I was, it would take a lot more than that. But and you were there at the intersection where he got hit. And this youngster was goofing around, not even paying any attention to anything at all, ran a stop sign that had been there for many, many, many years and hit my brother broadside. And it caused my brother to um, slam into the steering wheel and it busted up a bunch of his teeth. And, and it was a major problem. And this I bring up because the insurance company that was being paid to take care of him and him, they found a clause in their contract that, and they canceled his insurance. And my father tried to argue this point with them and demand for them to explain how they could possibly do that, that all the premiums were paid so forth and so on. And they decided because my brother was actually underage at that time in those days, um, had not yet been emancipated and so forth and so on, and that he was at high risk and that it wasn't going to be in their benefit. So they canceled his insurance and they kept all the premiums that were paid. And that's the way insurance companies operate. They just cancel you. And they don't have to pay you anything back that you've already paid in. So basically what happens is that money that you just goes into their account and they make money and they work their way out of having to pay you anything to cover what you think that you're paying for, which is protection. And so he had to have some dental work done and all this and so forth. So my father wound up just canceling everything from that company and they actually lost quite a bit so they were probably fuming and upset but he went to someone else found that there was a um, one of the deacons at the church actually he and his his wife were actually partners in um in a company and they were the i guess i don't know how it worked in those days but they took care of it and they took care of my father they took care of all of us for a very long time and they were very good So, again, my question, insurance or assurance, you decide. Me, my faith has shown me empirical evidence through my life that reminds me that God is always with me, that God does care for me, that God does take care of me and God will guide me and loves me, forgives me. Wow. 
assurance. I, I choose for assurance. And sadly, in this plane of existence, uh, we are told that we are required to have insurance for so many things. Can you imagine how much people would actually save by not having to pay insurance premiums to these companies that ultimately wind up ripping you off and um, pretty much they're legally stealing from you because they will find a way to keep from having to take care of you. But as we have one governmental individual who declared that we must, because he signed off on, on this paperwork and it was called a certain thing, but later on found out that it was actually something that got him money, made him money, and that it was actually a really, really terrible thing. But here's the thing, here's a twist how it was made so that we would have to do this, is that if you didn't get this program that he initiated and and told us that we had to have, if you didn't do it, then you would be susceptible to penalties and utilizing the government to come after you for your taxes for not doing this. And this was an insurance program. Basically, like many are, an insurance scam or an insurance fraud. And I bring that up not to specify or point my finger of, of anyone because they're in my prayers um, for repentance and correction, but that you need to be very cautious and pray. Thing, and I shared this with you again in John um, we're going first John four one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. So I know that sounds like he's specifically speaking to biblical or religious directions, but John is telling us that we need to try the spirit in all things because the spirit of untruth is pervasive in everything and everywhere we walk. And the Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you and help you to make good decisions. And part of that is within our daily walk and our daily life. And I want to remind you that don't forget that I have this little mirror that goes around in front of me. So as I'm talking to you, no matter where I turn my head or what I look at, um, I have this little mirror. So I'm I'm speaking to myself and not just, I'm not strictly instructing and telling you to do this and that and this and that. And you do it because I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way when you share and you follow the spiritual guidance of the word of God. This is a reciprocating lesson because it comes back to me as well as it goes out to you. So I'm not only talking or speaking or sharing with you, I am reminding myself that I have to do this. 
This is what I must do as well. Pray the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we do that. This is our assurance of things. And, and in my study and reading this morning, when I got up, one of the first things that I read is that, and, and the, title of the, the title of the article is, Rest in the Deep Assurance. The deep assurance and the promises of God. And one of the primary, we can find in Deuteronomy, we can find it in Isaiah, we can find it in the book of Psalm. Daniel speaks about it. Christ Jesus speaks about it. And then we find it, we go through the Bible and there are other ways they might write it so it seems different because it's different wording, but it is the same thing. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For I am with you whithersoever thou goest. God is with us. He assures us of that fact. And here's the other thing that you have to remember and don't forget. He's not talking about a geographical location. He's not talking about a road map as far as we know, okay? So we're driving from Santa Monica to Chicago. Okay, that would be a whithersoever we go, but that's a geographic location. God is talking much more than geographics. God is talking about wherever we go. If we're on the mountaintop because we're so happy, happy, joy, joy, something really good, or we go down in the valley because of something very sad or we're just kind of cruising along. It doesn't matter because God is with us. David shares that with us. This is an important aspect. And I believe it's Psalm 119, I believe is what it is. Hopefully that's correct. I didn't mark it because I didn't think to jump up there, but I am now. Um... I am sorry, but it's not. It was a different one. I'm so sorry. But David shares with us. And he shares with us about how it doesn't matter where he goes, if he goes to the mountaintop or to the valley, it doesn't matter because God is there. God is always there. And he promises that. And that is an assurance. As an assurance. And the way David writes it, is that he reminds us that if we go to the mountaintop, or we go to the valley, or if we go across the sea, the far sea, if we take wings and we fly, 
for some reason, some of us feel like we need to uh, fly away from God instead of to God. And we sometimes will do that because we are frightened and we're not sure exactly what our Heavenly Father is going to do because we think or we perceive that he's going to be angry at us and so he's going to treat us that way. Well, that's not our good, good father. Our good, good father loves us and he will forgive us, which he does all the time. And he just loves us. He just wants us to be with him. And he wants us to know that he gives us that that blessed assurance. Not insurance, but assurance. And remember the different that assurance is given free. <clears throat> Doesn't cost you. Except that old man that you bury. Or the old woman that you bury, and you just seek that new life which is in faith and guidance of the Holy Spirit to do the good and right thing. And brothers and sisters, that assurance that I have seen in what I've shared this with you before, empirical evidence, empirical evidence is that that cannot be disputed. There is nothing that anyone can show me to use to try to convince me that their argument against God holds any water or holds true. It won't. Because I've already seen too much evidence in my walk, in my life, that shows me and assures me otherwise. And brothers and sisters, I share this with you. Because it is the truth. And it doesn't matter where we go. So if we go, <laughs> pardon me, if we go to the highest mountain, we go to the deepest, darkest valley or the deepest sea, it makes no difference because God is there and he assures us that he will be there with us, for us, by us, upholding us. And I have seen that to be true. That empirical evidence was shown to me too many times. And I've seen it to be so. So in my reading... It says rest and deep assurance. And I do. I do. I am assured by God tell, not only telling me so. Here's the other thing. When, um, and, and I lived in, uh, and my father, incidentally, is uh, from the state of Missouri. And my father was very much this way. And this is probably why he's such a, such a, uh, such an honest man. 
and why when he told somebody, and I think I've shared this with you before, back in, in his day and when I was younger and got to go on on things with him and, and do things and with him, and many of his connections, other men that he contacted, their handshake and their word was their bond for an agreement. It didn't require a contract. It didn't require any kind of law schmuck to get involved and to write up paperwork that they each had to sign. It didn't require any of that back in the day. It was the assurance that they gave by word of mouth by each. And what made that so powerful was the fact that they had shown others that that assurance that they gave, and this is why it used to be said, and there was a, uh, there was an old adage that came, my, my word is my bond. Well, you don't have that anymore because people will tell you one thing to your face while they're speaking out of that mouth in the back of their head and telling their cohort or somebody else to go do something else contrary to what they just got done telling you to make sure that they are an advantage over anything that you may have. So God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that at all. Rest in the deep assurance of his unfailing love so that we will have that unperceptible end of peace because let me tell you remember when Jesus showed up he just went through that locked door peace be still I give you my peace not the peace of this world but my peace true peace so that assurance that's given to us by Christ Jesus. But here is the other that David cites, and this is in Psalm 139, and we can read 139, 1 through 14. And I'm going to share this with you right quick. Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. God doesn't need to be sitting right beside us like he always is, but he can perceive our thoughts. And he knows, but he likes us to talk to him. He likes us to speak with him. He likes us to share with him because he wants a personal relationship. That's what he desires from us. He loves us as a good, good father. David further goes to write, Thou compass my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, and it is high. I cannot attain to it, meaning that he can't understand it. And just like I've shared with you many times, stop trying to figure it out because you're not going to make it. You have a finite mind, and God's mind, his thoughts are higher 
and far more infinite than anything that we can possibly understand and try to figure out with this finite thought process. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. You might think that you're a quantum physicist. You're still not going to figure out the mystery of God. And trust me when I share this, there are those that have tried and they are still trying. And they, they finally, they give up and they just say, there's no such thing. Well, how la-di-da-da. And there are scientists that are into cryptobiology that, well, I didn't see it, so it doesn't exist. Well, they're finding out that there are things that do exist that simply because they haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't. Well, the evidence is mounting. And actually, there are physicists, there are geologists, there are archaeologists that are finding evidence scientific evidence that is proving that all the things that are written of in the Bible are factual and not like many other people try to declare that it's a novel or a story. Well, they're proving these things. They're becoming evidence by science. So just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not so. My faith tells me that the Holy Spirit is with me always, that God is with me, just like David is sharing here in 39. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain unto it. You're not gonna understand, so stop trying. Further, verse seven, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? <clears throat> if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. God's ever-present light. See, this is where sometimes I have a problem is that, and the devil loves me to forget about this, is that he'll draw me into darkness. And um, we all have this tendency, but he tries to get you to believe that that darkness is his way of protection. Well, it's no protection. It's just hiding. But the light that confuses, confounds the enemy and his minions and his demons, which are real, they're like the cockroaches. When that light comes in, they get so confused and then they want to scatter and run because they're confounded. Further, verse 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Because there is no darkness with God. He brings his light, which is absolutely pure light. And the darkness flees. Further, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's wombs. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well.
Well, here's the thing. My soul knows that right well because the empirical evidence that has been shown to me far too many times shows me that to be so. That he is real, he is there, and he's always with me. And it doesn't matter where I go. I've, I mean, I've, there's places that I've been that I should actually be dead right now. And there's really no reason on earth other than God has brought me here. And it is by his grace and his mercy and his will that I am here. And it is by that and that only that I am here and able to share with you that I am here and blessed by the fact that God allows me to do this and that I can share his truth and knowledge and wisdom with you as a conduit and that I am about my father's business because that is his will and his desire and that is what I am about. Period. Exclamation point. Dot, dot, dot. And that we are far beyond able to understand in our finite minds that the width, the length, the height, and depth of the love that God has for us. And we can only read about it, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then you have the perverts that try to say that we've been teaching that wrong and that God is trying to strong arm us into believing in Jesus. Well, that's not true because that pervert failed to read the, and he took the scripture completely out of context. And if you go down and you read further, the point God makes. So reading farther down, we will further understand the point that God gave us that we have a free will choice. And that's what this pervert failed to get you to understand. He's trying to make it, and what he's doing is trying to promote himself because he wants to rewrite portions of the Bible and he wants to have credit for that. And he becomes like some of these perverse commentators. So be cautious in these commentators. Pray the Spirit because there are many out there that look to deceive. Just like this this brother was sharing, I wasn't going to be um, confrontational with him, but I'm troubled and I pray about pray with him and, and over him and for him because um, he's very... He's very... And as many are, not just him, but many are very naive. The naivety that they have in walking with God, and it doesn't matter how long you have, unless you really have a personal relationship with God and practice his presence, you are naive in the ways of the world and the ways that Satan will devise to use against you. And as I've shared, there are many, and he loves to confound those who claim to be Christian Label heads are self-proclaimed. He loves to confuse them by getting them to believe that they are following the word of God and that this is very, I mean, that was apparent because 
he shared the word that this commentator was helping him to understand that and had actually made the declaration that the Bible, as it's written, is all out of order and it's confusing. Well, not wanting to get all up in any because this, God doesn't need you to defend him. He doesn't need you to jump up and, well, how dare you, this and that and this and that and this. That, that God doesn't need that. First of all, God is much bigger than you are, and he doesn't need you to defend him. So you don't need to argue with anyone. You don't need to become confrontational with anyone. All you need to do is just remind yourself of those blessed assurances that God has given. So these commentators that will get out and say things like that is because they don't have a real personal relationship with God. And the idea that Satan uses them to get into your mindset and destroy your walk with God. This is why John, 1 John 1 tells us, or 4.1, 1 John 4.1 reminds us to try the Spirit in all things because there are those who are looking to deceive. And you're already confused and don't understand things. So he's in reinforcing that by telling you that the Bible's confusing and he's going to straighten it out for you. Well, be careful of those because it's difficult. And they're, and this is what Satan does. This, this is the way Satan is very subtle in the way he does things in many instances. In many instances, he is not. But when it comes to... Um, classes and teaching and things like he he uses subtle innuendos he uses subtle movements he uses subtlety in order to get those within the body of Christ to be confused within the body of Christ to become confrontational with others that are trying to help them so this is why we must pray the spirit in all things so it becomes very confusing and we have to pray for them. And we have to remember too that we need to be joyful in all things, always, because that love that God has promised, and remember I just shared it with you, that we can't figure out how wide, long, high, or deep it is. And know that this love is ours forever and always. And we can find in Romans 8, remember that's our uh, <laughs> our adoption letter, that Romans 8, oh, let me jump over there. I'm sorry, I did not mark it. I didn't intend to go, but I'm heading that way. Be there in just a second. Um, it's important that we remember this because this is a blessed assurance we have. <clears throat> For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is an assurance 
that you can take to the bank. Not in insurance, it's freely given. And it was done so. And as a child of God, we are given that. Free. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in every day? And I do that always. And just be blessed. Be blessed. Be cautious and be blessed.